Good evening, good evening. We'll go ahead and get started uh, with tonight's Bible study. Uh, you may see a different background here uh, versus what you have been used to seeing uh, because we have been in the house, but we opened up the doors here at the church for some to be able to come in within guidelines. And so we have some individuals that are here. So if you don't happen to see me looking directly at you, know that it's not that I'm talking just to myself, but I'm talking to other individuals that are here within the sanctuary. But we are so thankful to have uh, those that are here uh, joining in with us and you guys that are joining with us right now uh, online as well as those that will watch um, this Bible study. Um, uh, before we get into the lesson tonight, we just want to uh, know that we are praying for each and every single one of you guys. Um, I know that there are many needs that are out there and always feel free, and I don't know that I've said it before, but feel free to always drop your prayer requests into the comment box uh, or private message us um, if you don't want it to be seen. And we take these uh, prayer requests very serious and we uh, pray about them. And so if you have any needs, any requests that you would like to be made known to us, then feel free, as I said, to give it to us and we will make sure that we make it a matter of prayer. Amen. Uh, of course, continue to remember our governor, our state, our country. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm encouraged. And I wrote a post today on the Facebook that when fear comes knocking, let faith open the door. And fear has come knocking uh, on many, on all of the doors of each and every one of us. And uh, But we need to let faith answer. Amen. That despite what happens, we need to continue to believe in who Jesus Christ is. Amen. And continue to look to him and what he has done for us at Calvary. Because I promise you that the answer to our problems, the answer to all of this that we're going through uh, in today's time is the blood of Jesus Christ. He's the only remedy. He's the only solution. He's the only one that can turn any and everything around. Uh, the enemy thinks he, he's winning, but he's not winning. In fact, God's taken that which was meant for evil and turning it around for his glory. Uh, because people are hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ now more than ever before. So where the enemy thought that he had shut the church doors down, well, he can't shut down technology. You know, it's like I heard one time, Satan can build a wall all the way around the city, but he can't put a roof on top of it. Amen. And so the gospel is still going forth. And people's hearts and lives are being changed. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, why are you doing what you're doing? And I would just put it to you this way, that if we do all of what we do and it falls out to just one person being saved, then it is worth it all. It is worth it all because Jesus left the 99 to go after the one. And that is what we were doing here too. God never called us uh, to be successful, but he did call us to be faithful. And that's exactly what we have set out to do, to be faithful to that which the Lord has called us to do. So it's not about numbers, but it's about being faithful to what he has called us to do. But I know without a shadow of a doubt that all of this is not for nothing and that we are just on the brink of seeing uh, the biggest explosion, if yes. you will, if that's the correct terminology I, I could use, uh, of what the Lord is going to do. And uh, we were here at prayer meeting last night, me and some other individuals, and it's just like the Lord just give me a vision of them coming down the road here. And our prayer is that, Lord, just 
Let your spirit touch them as they're driving by. And they may not even understand why, but let them pull them into this parking lot. And we believe that the spirit of God is going to hit them and people's going to be saved before they even walk in these doors. People's going to be healed before they ever get out of their cars. We believe it. Amen. He's a big, big God. And we do not uh, limit him as to what he is going to do and what he wants to do. Amen. But again, if there's anything I can say to you at this time, be faithful. Be faithful to the Lord. And uh, don't be discouraged. And I don't know who may be watching us that may be in ministry because I'm having to remind myself of this each and every single day. Uh, but be encouraged that what you're doing is not for nothing. And that uh, lives are being impacted. And I think because we don't see it all the ways and we like tangible things and because we don't see it, we think that we're not making a difference. But we have no idea truly what is going on in the hearts and lives of individuals all around. So we trust the word. His word says that it will not return void. Amen. And so uh, we trust that it is going forth and doing what it's intended to do, which most of all is convicting the hearts of sinners and drawing them unto repentance, but it's also comforting, it's also counseling, it's teaching, it's doing exactly what it's intended to do in the hearts and lives of unbelievers as well as believers, amen. And so we thank him again for all that he's done. And we see that some more of you have jumped on uh, since coming live. And again, we welcome you to our midweek Bible study that we are now doing here in the church uh, versus in my office at home. Amen. So again, we'll just go to the Lord in prayer before we get into the lesson tonight. And if you have any needs, you maybe haven't made them known, uh, but understand that the Jesus Christ hears them. He knows all about them, and he's the only one that needs to know about our needs. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you tonight in the name of your son, Jesus. And Lord, we come to you first and foremost, Lord, with the heart of gratitude and praise. Lord, of knowing that, God, we were once enemies of yours, but God, you sent your son into this world. Lord, and you died for us when we were yet enemies of yours when we were yet sinners. Lord, that is love like no one has ever known before, Lord. But God, we thank you that, Lord, you placed uh, your love. Lord, you put your love into action 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ came into this world, went to Calvary's cross, bore the penalty for our sin so that today, Lord, we could be saved and set free from the powers of darkness, Lord. And God, we thank you, Lord, that one day soon we're going to receive the final installment of this glorious salvation that you have imparted unto us, Lord. And that is when we step into the portals of glory, God. Lord, I pray right now that you will touch each and every person that is watching or will watch. And God, all of us have individuals in our families, Lord, and those that are near and dear to our hearts, that they don't know you. And God, some of us have been praying for individuals, it seems like, for months and even years, Lord. And God, I know that those prayers have been heard and that, Lord, you have not forgotten one of them. And so, Lord, we bring them to you again. And we're asking, Lord, that the spirit of conviction would rest upon them in such a great and way, Lord, that where there is restlessness, Lord, not only within their heart, but within their life, and that, God, they would respond to the drawing of your Holy Spirit, and that, Lord, they would repent of their sins, and that, God, they would receive this glorious gift of salvation. God, time is running out, Lord, and you have called us, Lord, as witnesses and disciples to blow the trumpet, to sound the alarm that you are soon to return, and God, we know, Lord, that you are soon to return now more than ever before, Lord. 
Lord. And God, such excitement, Lord, it fills our hearts in knowing that one day you are going to deliver us out of this world and we're going home to be with you. But until then, Lord, until then, you have called us to be laborers in your vineyard, Lord. And I pray, God, that we would be faithful to the call that you have placed upon our lives, first and foremost, in following you. But secondly, Lord, that we would go and we would tell others about you. Lord, we pray, God, for each and every single need of the people, Lord, that is here, whether it be physical, whether it be financial, Lord, emotional, whatever the need is, Lord, your blood is still the answer. Lord, we pray for healing, God, to touch the bodies of those that are afflicted. Lord, you are still the physician, the great physician, and the healer, Lord. And God, we take authority over these sicknesses. We take authority over cancers. Lord, we take authority over every disease, Lord, and we bind it in the name of Jesus, and we ask for healing virtue power to flow into those physical bodies for which, Lord, you died, Lord God, so that we could have. Lord, for those, Lord God, that are up underneath mental stress, Lord, emotional disorders, Lord, God, fear has gripped their heart. Lord, I pray, God, that you would just help them and touch them right now, Lord, and that God praise would fill their mouth, Lord, and that that fear, Lord, and that anxiety would subside, Lord, and that God, their eyes would be looking up towards you of where their help comes from, Lord, and that God just a song of praise would come into their heart and from their lips, Lord, it would go forth, God, driving out every bit of those spirits of heaviness and depression, Lord, in Jesus' name. And Lord, we ask God tonight that, Lord, you would help us to teach your word. God, as we desperately, Lord, need the anointing of the yes. Holy Spirit. And, Lord, I pray that you would help us to rightly divide the word, that we would do your word no harm, God, but that, Lord, you would bless our efforts. And, God, I pray, hide us behind the cross, Lord. Let you be seen tonight. Let your voice be heard tonight. Let your words be spoken tonight, Lord. And we know that it will be a blessing unto your people and will forever give you all the praise in yes, Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. So if you've been with us in the last couple of uh, Wednesdays, uh, last six Wednesdays or so, we taught upon a series of justification by faith for which we spent four weeks in. And then we started on the sin nature, as I felt that that's what the Lord would have us to talk about. And that is not a topic uh, or a, uh, a lesson that can be covered in just one week. Uh, in fact, uh, it is a lesson and, and that which we are going to discuss that will go on forever, how long the Lord tells me to go on with. Uh, because understanding the sin nature, understanding the function and the role of the sin nature in our hearts and lives is so, so, so important. But yet it is very little teached. Uh, it is very little taught, rather, that's the correct, uh, correct grammar, but it's very little taught in today's world and in most churches to where most believers don't even know what that phrase, the sin nature, is. In fact, when we read here in the Bible, and we read in the book of Romans here, of which Paul wrote, every time you see the word sin, he is really prefacing and talking about the sin nature. But, uh, but we as believers, and it has been taught for so long, that we see that word, we see uh, it written, and we think that it is acts of sin. And that is not what Paul was talking about, because if you study it in the Greek, and you would read the original Greek language, you would see that there is a definite article in front of the word sin, meaning the. So every time you see the word sin, it would be better to read it as the sin, and we would we would know that to be the sin nature. 
But when it was translated into the language of which we have it today, we would, it wouldn't read right if we said, and death by these sin passed upon all men. It wouldn't read right, so therefore it wasn't translated over with the definite article. And now I don't mean to uh, bore anybody with those details, uh, but it's not boring. But when you understand it as to why it is descent, it makes the scriptures make more sense to us and it helps us to understand them even more. So again, if there was only one book in the Bible that we were able to have, uh, I believe it would have to be the book of Romans. Uh, because within it, I love the book of Romans because it's viewed as the ABCs of Christianity. Amen. Uh, in the book of Romans, we see how one is brought to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We see how one is saved and in his simplicity of just calling upon the name of the Lord. And the Bible says that you shall be saved. And I'm so thankful that it's not a five-step program or a ten-step program or it's a bunch of stuff that you have to memorize because it would be too hard for me and I wouldn't stand a chance, but it is just simply calling upon the name of the Lord, and just the very mention of the name Jesus, just the very mention of the name Jesus, yes, holds you, such Jesus. power that the grace of God can come down and wash away every sin that has ever been committed by that individual. That is the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that at the very mention of his name, any individual can be saved, along with be healed, be delivered, victorious, because it's at that name and through what he did at Calvary's cross. Again, there's no other name that man can call on to be saved. And frankly, there's not another name that I would rather call upon than the name of right. Jesus Christ. Amen. So we'll read four verses of scripture tonight. Uh, two of them being what we discussed last week. But it's important, I feel, to hit them again as it will run in with chapter 6. So chapter 5 of the book of Romans starting with verse 20. And the Bible says, Moreover, the law entered, that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? And so within this, uh, we see that our condition is, and we see that it is bad in the book of Romans. Again, 1, 2, and 3, those chapters tells us of the depravity of man's heart, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the helplessness, if you will, the hopelessness of man. And then we see in chapter 4 and 5 that by faith, uh, by evidencing faith in Christ and what he has done, we can be saved. Amen. And there's nothing any better than to be saved. I would rather be in the kingdom of God than to be in the kingdom of man any day. Amen. It doesn't matter who knows my name. It's the fact that he knows my name sure. and that I also know his name. Amen. So in chapter 2 of Ephesians, it tells us but God who was rich and grace and mercy reached out and poured us out of that darkness, reached out and poured us out of that miry clay, if you will, reached out and, and took us from the lifestyle that we were living in, had mercy upon us, saved us, now placed our feet, if you will, upon the solid rock, and now we have a new life in Christ Jesus. Amen. The situation, the first three verses of chapter two of the book of Ephesians was bad. It was horrible. You read it and you think, no, no chance, but I love what verse 4 says, but God, 
I mean, you think about it, they were bad, but those two words, but God, when God came on the scene, everything changed, and he was rich in mercy, and he saved our soul, and he take, uh, took us from, from what we were in, which was sin, and now he has placed his love inside of us, Thanks, amen, God. and there's nothing any more wonderful than that, that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts, amen, so again, as we stated the last two weeks, the same nature was introduced through our federal head father, which is Adam. Because Adam failed in the Garden of Eden, we know that he fell from a state of God consciousness all the way to the very low, low level of man consciousness. And there he was in that garden and it was perfect. He had it all of what she had, but guess what? Here comes Satan. And I want to say this, I heard it one time. If Satan can come in and slither his way and deceive man in a perfect world, what makes us think that he won't slither in and try to hinder us and tempt us now? Right. He did it there in the Garden of Eden. That was perfect. It was beautiful. There was had not known no sin. Adam and them was perfect because they were created by God and had the, I mean, just the epitome of perfection of righteousness and holiness. But yet, when Satan entered in, he fell, tempted Adam, and Adam Adam. See, we don't come from the seed of a woman. Woman doesn't carry seed. It's man. So when Adam fell, it plagued the entirety of humanity now. And now each and every one that has been born from Adam all the way down to us has been born in original sin. We all possess the sin nature. Listen, every one of us from the time that we are birthed into this world, in fact, from the time of conception, it's there. Everybody's got that sin nature with inside of us. Amen? So again, uh, the sin nature is the nature that bends us to do that which is contrary to the will of God. So many people say, well, what is the sin nature? Well, the sin nature is that which is totally opposite and contrary to God's word. It is what bends us, if you will, that bent that is inside of us to do that which is unholy, unrighteous, unscriptural. You see the evil that is taking place in the world today. You look at your life before coming to Jesus Christ and you see that that nature that was within inside of you was to do total contrary to God's word. In fact, you viewed yourself, whether you want to admit it or not, as your own God. You wanted to be in control of your own life. You wanted to call your shots. You wanted to do what you wanted to do. Amen? And so the first Adam was the entrance of the sin nature, and it entered into the world, and again has plagued each and every single one of us. And what that sin nature does is it pumps out sin. Before one gets saved, that nature within them just pumps out sin. It's like a factory. It pumps it out, pumps, pumps, it pumps it out continuously. It's coming out through our speech. It's coming out through the lust of uh, the flesh, the eyes. It's coming out as pride. It's coming out in our wall. And even though the good things that we do before salvation still is sin because it comes from an evil and a corrupt heart. Because every man's born with it. And a lot of men, especially religious men, doesn't want to see that because they see themselves doing good works and therefore they think that constitutes them something with God. They think that that right there will merit them something. But again, God looks upon the heart. He could care less about the good deeds that one is doing. He's looking at the heart. So even though good deeds are being done, because it comes from a diseased, wicked, deceitful heart, God constitutes it as sin. 
Now that right there is not popular preaching. And that right there is contrary to the mindset of many within the church today. And I use the quotations church because they're not truly part of the body of Christ. They're just simulated together and they go into the church is not these four walls. The church is the mystical body of Christ. Amen. This is just a place where we come to worship and to praise the Lord. But worship and praise shouldn't stop when we leave out these four walls. It should continue to be our lifestyle and be who we are when we leave here and when we go home and when we go on our jobs and when we're in Walmart and wherever we're at, people should know who we are. Amen. So again, uh, this factory pumps out sin. And Paul goes on to tell us that through the entrance of the last Adam, now, why does he go on to say the last Adam? Because when you, the, we know the first Adam to be the Adam that we descend from that fell in the Garden of Eden. But the reason why Jesus Christ is referred to as the last Adam is because if you would say second, that would represent that a third or a fourth could come behind it. But when you say last Adam, that means it's it. The buck stops right here. That's why Jesus is referred to as the last Adam, because there would never need to be any other. He's the last Adam, and he came to purchase back, to bring back, to win back all that was lost in the Garden of Eden. Everything was given to Adam at that point in time when he's created, but he lost it all when he sinned. Jesus came forth, the last Adam, went to Calvary's cross, paid the debt of sin, so that now every blessing and all the attributes and all that God has to give his people can now flow into the hearts and lives of us as redeemed people because Jesus Christ has purchased it back for us when he shed his blood on Calvary's cross. Amen. That's why we preach Christ and him crucified Amen. because he is the answer for whatever it is that we need. But we view him as just for salvation and thank God for those that view him for that. Amen. Because he is the only way to salvation. He's the only way that one can have eternal life. But he's to also be viewed and through what he did at Calvary as the reason why we can have victory in our lives too. As the reason why we can be delivered. As the reason why we can have healing. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit. Joy, peace, rest. Everything that you can imagine that we need from God, that we ask for from God, flows because of what Jesus Christ did on Calvary. See, we think that God will give it to us. No, no. God don't give us anything because, again, we're corrupt human beings. We're filthy, sin-laden individuals whether we want to believe it or not. But because we possess Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords in our hearts, God blesses his son. He extends all of his stuff to his son. And because we inhabit Jesus Christ, we now are recipients of his grace and all of his blessings and can enjoy those benefits because of the one who lives inside of us. See, we got it all wrong. We think God blesses me. No, no, he don't bless me. He don't bless you. He blesses the Christ that's within you, amen? Because if it was me, he would bless me because I'm no good. But he sees the blood, amen? And he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you, amen? And so again, because of what the last Adam did, Jesus Christ, uh, the divine nature can now enter into man. So now the factory of sin that was pumping out sin, the factory of the sin nature that was pumping out sin, when you got saved, it came to a screeching halt, brakes put on, 
the, the uh, handle pull down, factory's over, because now there's a new nature that's come in, the divine nature, the very nature of God himself through the person of the Holy Spirit has now come inside of your heart and life. It's been turned on and now righteousness and holiness is being pumped out. The fruit of the Spirit is being pumped out because there's a new nature that is within inside of you. It's not that old wicked sin nature that is now ruling and reigning upon the throne of your heart. No, no. You, it was tossed out because the old heart that was diseased was so far diseased that it couldn't be fixed with just some simple band-aid. It had to be literally thrown away and a new heart placed inside of an individual. But now this heart is a heart of flesh, not the heart of stone. And now it is inhabited by the very presence of God. And now the fruit of the Holy Spirit is pumping out the fruit of the Spirit of us. Because of who we inhabit. Amen. So the good that we do is not coming from you. It's coming from the crisis inside of you. Because see, we're dead. The Bible says I am crucified with Christ. Wayne died with, with, with Christ. The moment that I said yes to Jesus in the mind of God, I was placed upon that cross with Christ, baptized into his death. I was dead and buried with him. And when Jesus come up out of that tomb, I also came up as a new person, but now not my own, but in Christ Jesus resurrected. And now I can experience resurrection power and living each and every single day because it's not me who's living. It's Christ that's living inside of me and also now through me. I'm just a vessel for him to inhabit and saying, Lord, have your way. Get me out of the way, Lord. Let me sit down. You are on the throne. You live inside of me today and live through me so that I can shine bright for the world to see Amen. that I am a blood-bought child of God. Amen. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's what he wants out of his children so that that divine nature can take over and get down rule and reign, and, and it's the new, it's the new authoritarian upon that monarch of our hearts. Amen. So this is why, again, we should see the fruit of the Spirit because there's a new sheriff in town, and that new sheriff is the Holy Ghost, amen? He's now inside of the heart of the blood-bought child of God, and he's now ruling that heart. And he's making sure things is done right, amen, and in order. That sin nature has stopped. Your relationship to it is severed. Because why? That sin nature will consume the old man. But when the old man died, that sin nature can't rule in you anymore. You know why? Because the old man's dead. The sin nature can't live and reign in the new creature that's in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus Christ never possessed the sin nature. So you're in Christ Jesus who, all, who knew no sin, who, who is God, who was God and always will be God. And now he's living inside of you. So you, you, you're, that sin nature doesn't rule and reign inside of you anymore. It's the divine nature. Jesus is upon the throne. Because the sin nature, again, died, rendered powerless. Listen, a virus and a bacteria or a, the diseased cancer cannot continue to spread and wreak havoc in an individual that is dead. Right. You know why? Because life is in the blood. The blood stops pumping. It can't move anymore. It can't continue to spread. It can't continue to wreak havoc and to eat away at the body. 
And that's the way the sin nature is. It, it's done, it's severed. The moment that that old man died and was buried, it's buried. So now a new nature is there, the divine nature, the very presence of God, the Holy Spirit that is now leading us, that is now guiding us, that is now directing us, teaching us, counseling us, yes, convicting you. us thank even you. when we do wrong. Okay? So thank God he doesn't deal with me on who I used to be or what I used to do, but he now deals with me on who I am today, and who I am today is a new creature in Christ Jesus, and it's only made possible by being washed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. One wants to know how? You've got to be reborn, regenerated, rebirthed of the spirit, amen? The old man is so bad and diseased, he has to die, and a new person come forth. Amen? Understand one's genes within their blood tells and reveals to us who their father is. See, if you go to draw blood out of an individual, it will reveal everything about that individual. It will tell them who they're the son or daughter of. If it's compared to the blood of their father, it will reveal the sicknesses. It will reveal everything about them. And the blood doesn't hide anything. It tells it all. Amen. And so our blood gene, spiritually speaking, uh, says that it comes from, uh, that we are from our father, Adam. But when you got washed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ, that old blood that, that says that you were of the federal head of your, the first Adam, now it's gone. You've got new blood running through your veins. It's royal blood because there's been a blood transfusion that took place. So that disease and sicknesses is gone. That evil nature is gone because you've, got a blood, you've had a blood transfusion. You've had royal blood now flowing through you. And now your father is God Almighty himself. Thank you. And your elder brother is Jesus Christ. Amen. And so Paul lets us know that the law entered in not for us to keep but to identify sin and tells us that as it was identified, sin increased. And here's the problem. Many Christians want to now keep the law. And this is another topic for another time. But yet I feel like the Lord wants me to say it. The law was not intended for us to keep now that we're saved. The law was fulfilled in Christ. And because you've been baptized into the death of Jesus Christ, God now views you as law keepers instead of what you once used to be, law breakers. It is not our job to try to keep it. He's already kept it. So now we are to we, we are to remain in Christ. And I promise you, though, that as you're anchored in Christ and you've truly been saved, you're going to want to do right because the nature that's within inside of you is to do that which is right. Because it's God, the Holy Spirit, living inside of you, ruling and reigning, and he's never going to direct you to do acts of sin. He's never, now listen, you've got free reign. Just because he's inside doesn't mean we walk around like robots. We've got to yield to his control. We've got to yield to him, and the way we yield to him is by keeping our faith in Christ and what he's done, and that gives the Holy Spirit the latitude to work in and through our lives. Now, we want to play the role of a bonehead, if we want to play the part of a fool and get out here and do wrong, he'll let us. But thanks be to God that upon our failure, he don't pack up his bags and leave. Right. He don't do that. Remember, justified by faith. He's there. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Yes, but when we God. mess up, he'll convict us, tell yes. us, hey, you just messed up. You done wrong. And then you say, he'll say, get it up underneath the blood so that I can do and go back to doing what I want to do. Yes, Amen. And it doesn't matter if you fall a thousand times. Get back up a thousand and one. 
Because if you don't quit, God won't quit either. Yes, Man you. will quit on you. Your family will quit on you. They'll say, you've messed up way too many times. I'm done with you. That was your last shot. But I'm so thankful tonight that God doesn't look at any one of us and say that. He doesn't say, you've done it. This is it. I'm sick and tired of this. You failed at this time and time again. You've already asked me to forgive. No, no. He's always there with arms wide open as a father loves a child. And he says, Come on, and with eyes of mercy and grace, he looks at us, and the Bible says that if we'll confess it, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all sin and all unrighteousness. God didn't put a number upon his forgiveness. His forgiveness is limitless. The enemy will tell you, give up. You're done. He's through with you. No, he's not. We've got a throne room of grace that we can come to that he yes, doesn't spouse out judgment or he doesn't spouse out condemnation, but it's a throne room of grace yes, thank you. that we have the precious privilege and opportunity to go to each and every single day. Amen. So again, the law was identified and sin increased, but he tells us that even though sin increased, even though sin abounded, grace superabounded. Grace was so much more that no matter what the sin was, and it was heaped up on top of one another in the individuals of man, that his grace was greater and would wash away and take away all of our sin. Amen? So the nature within us made us do, again, contrary to God's law. So again, we've got to be thankful for his grace and that even though our sins were many, his grace was greater. Amen. So Paul informs us that the sin nature that was ruling and reigning in us has now been deactivated. And now we have received a new nature that can now reign through righteousness. Now that's where we see this in verse 21. That as sin hath reigned unto death. That's meaning that the sin nature has reigned unto death. It brings death into it. But even so might grace reign through righteousness. So how does grace, how does the divine nature, how does the Holy Spirit reign in our hearts and lives? The Bible here says it, through righteousness. That's the channel by which it can reign. And that happens and it is able to reign by one's faith in Christ and what he did at Calvary's cross. That's where righteousness was imputed unto us at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart, my soul were rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. Amen. That's where grace can reign through righteousness, not your righteousness, because your righteousness is as filthy rags, but through the righteousness of Christ. And we have it. Because we placed our faith in him. So that's how grace reigns through righteousness. And what it will lead to is one day eternal life that is given by Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So we have to understand again this grace which is the undeserving goodness of God flows in us. By faith evidence in him and what he's done. I said it Sunday night. Faith is the channel by which grace can flow into our hearts and lives. We all want grace, and, it, and we need grace. We need grace every day. And the way that it flows and it's not frustrated is by our faith ever being in Christ and what he's done. Not looking to ourselves and our performance, but looking to the performed work of Christ. Looking to a past work that was done. Amen? See, 
if we try to do it, the work can never be done because we're no good. But we're to look back to a past work that's already been performed, that's already been done, and put our faith at that day in what he there did, the activity, what took place, is enough. Was enough and ever shall be enough for the Holy Spirit to, number one, live inside of us, and number two, to have free reign to bring us about into the image of Christ. Amen? That's what he wants. But see, we got to give him latitude. I've said it many times, and I'll say it again tonight. Many Christians, believers, have the Holy Spirit handcuffed, and they don't even realize it. And the reason why is because their faith is not anchored solely, and I mean solely and exclusively, in Christ and what he's done. Because when the believer is looking to how they live this life, and they're focused on their own performance, we're taking our focus off of Christ and what he's already done. Right. And when we do that, that's how the Holy Spirit, number one, could come into our hearts and lives, right? It was only through the finished work at Calvary that he could come into our hearts. We all agree to that. But how he continues to work, and trust you me, we need him to work in our hearts and lives, is by us maintaining our faith in there. See, that's the problem. We look to his performance for salvation, but then we look to us, and we think God wants us to now do it all ourselves. You can't do it. You can't do it. It's only him that can do it in us. You just got to sit back, look to him and what he's done, and be guaranteed, you're guaranteed, and you will promise that he will do the work that needs yes. to be done. Yes, that's right. He can do more in five minutes than you could do in a lifetime. But we got to trust him. And again, how he's able to be loosed and work in our lives, the handcuffs taken off, is by you maintaining your faith and looking only to him and what he's done. Because the moment you take it off of him and you begin to look at yourself, then Paul tells us in Romans 7 that sin revived and I died. You know why? Because I was trying to do it. So that sin nature that was dormant, Laying there, all of a sudden, gets woken up because it's energized by you trying to do it yourself. You can't do it. The law was never meant for you to keep. You can't keep it all on your own. You need, I need, we all need the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay. So again, getting to verse 1, we have to understand what when Paul wrote these epistles, and I'm talking about verse 1 of chapter 6. When Paul wrote this epistle, these letters, he did not write them in chapters. And many people do not understand that. They think that, that when you see these epistles, that it was originally written in the chapters like we see them. But that's not the case. When Paul would write these, they were wrote as one continual letter. It was when it was translated over to the Elizabethan language by King James that we see the separation of chapters and even verses. So when Paul was writing this, you go from verse 21 right into chapter 6, verse 1. It was a continual flow. So Paul here just said where sin did abound, grace did much more abound, and that as sin reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. He says all of that and goes straight into this question. What shall we say then? Okay? So again, as soon as he says this, He's talking about the sin nature. And what it is is that the idea had come up because he knew that it was present. And more than likely, 
hear me tonight, in the legalistic minds. A new convert is not thinking to maintain their old lifestyle. But more than likely what had happened is that those self-righteous, legalistic mindset of people was thinking, okay, Paul, you're coming in, you're teaching this doctrine of grace that we're sent about and grace and much more about. So what are you saying? Now we could just do whatever we want to do and because grace is so much greater than sin that we can continue to live in sin, that grace would abound, that grace covers it all? Paul said, God forbid. He, he had to address this because this would come in into the minds of people thinking, okay, well, if grace covers it all, now that I've said yes to Jesus Christ, I can go ahead and live the life that I was living. God's not going to see it. God's going to see righteousness. No, no. Paul's saying it's absolutely impossible for one to maintain a habitual lifestyle of relationship to the sin nature. It's impossible. Why? Because the old man is dead. There's a new creature in Christ Jesus. That sin nature that was ruling and reigning is right there with the dead man. There's a new nature now that's reigning. There's no way that one can be saved and still be in the same relationship with the sin nature as he was before or she was before she got saved. There's no way. You're a new creature. That's why we say salvation will tell on you. That's why your talk will change, your walk will change, because you've got a new sheriff in town, the Holy Ghost, that will now lead you and guide you there. Whereas before, when you were connected and the sin nature was ruling and reigning, you didn't care about your sin. But now that you're saved, you care when you mess up. And the reason why is because you've got the Holy Spirit living inside that says, hey, that's wrong. You messed up. Let's get it up underneath the blood, okay? So again, he says uh, that the idea of continuing in the same relationship that we had before, uh, so that we so that can continue, is wrong. Paul tells us emphatically, God forbid, absolutely not. So verse 1 on chapter 6, again, is addressing the statement that he made of verse 20 in chapter 5. So the Holy Spirit moved upon Paul to address this because he knew what the minds of men would be in regard to what Paul had just said. Now, let me say this. I made a comment about this Sunday night. And I know we had some technical difficulties, and so it may have gotten skipped out. And we're getting those technical difficulties fixed up this coming Sunday. But I made a comment. There is a doctrine that is being taught, that has been taught now for the last several years, and it is the doctrine of grace revolution. And it simply says, in a nutshell, that one is saved by grace through faith, and they receive the righteousness of God. Absolutely true. 100% right, I'm staying right there with them. And there are individuals that get saved from hearing this particular person that it has started with and that many have now carried on with as well. And that is absolutely right. But the problem is, is that they now look at Christians, born-again believers, and say that now if you sin, don't ask for forgiveness. You've received the righteousness of God. Grace is so much greater. And if you go and try to confess your sin, God's not going to have any idea what you're talking about. In fact, you are offending him because he shed his blood. And nothing could be further from the truth. 
Because if that is true, what they're saying, then there are many saved individuals that got saved in these churches underneath this preaching. And then they mess up and they feel guilty because you will feel guilty. You'll feel conviction because you've messed up. The Holy Spirit is a person, the third person of the Trinity that says, oh, no, you just messed up. You feel you feel like a whipped dog when you mess up. And they are basically saying, ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit and don't ask for forgiveness. And let me tell you, that is a damnable doctrine that is sending people and will send many people to hell if they believe in that. Because the Holy Spirit is saying, no, no, you're wrong. And we've got false preachers getting up and saying, don't confess, don't repent. But let me remind you tonight that unrepentant sin, I'm sorry, unconfessed sin is unrepentant sin. If we don't confess our sin, how can he forgive us of our sin? So to believe this lie, to believe what is being proclaimed will hinder one. The Holy Spirit, when they get saved, will say, listen to me, that's as wrong. But if you continue to stay up underneath that kind of preaching and teaching, and you let that come into your spirit, you will eventually believe that. Because what the mind attends to is what the ear continuously hears, it will eventually believe and it will eventually do. That's why you've got to be up underneath the right preaching and teaching. Because our souls is dependent upon it. Amen. So he lets us know that there's no way that we should remain or even can remain in the same relationship with the sin nature that reigned in us now that the divine nature has come in. Paul said it's absolutely impossible. It cannot remain. It cannot be there. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. If one has truly gotten saved, there's no way that sin nature, they have the same relationship with it. There's, it's impossible. It's like mixing oil with water. It doesn't go together. A saved person cannot continue to be ruled by the sin nature. Now hear me tonight. The sin nature still exists inside of you. It still exists inside of me. But it's not raining. That's the difference. The grace, the grace and the divine nature is now reigning in us. It's ruling us. It's the sheriff, if you will. The sin nature is still inside of us, but it's laying dormant. Asleep, if you will. Because we all know that that same nature can come alive real quick. Let somebody pass you or cut you off on traffic and you'll see that same nature come alive real quick. And it don't have to be just in a four-letter word. You idiot! You get mad. Or at your home with your spouse and you say things that you shouldn't do that ain't too, or say things that, that, that the Lord would have you to say. You lose your temper. All of these things, there's a million things the sin nature can rise up within us. And it's because the Bible doesn't teach sinless perfection. But it does say the sin nature shall not have dominion over you. So your lives now are ordered to be followers of him. Righteousness is reigning in you. Grace is there reigning in you. And now you're able to live that life that he's called you to live because you've got the help of the Holy Spirit. See, he's not now empowering you to do it on your own. He wants to do it in you first and then through you secondly. Okay? So again, the sin nature can revive. It can come forth. It's dormant. It's deactivated, if you will. See, you were plugged up to the sin nature. You got unplugged from it, and you got plugged up to the divine nature now. Amen? 
But if we don't let him have his way and we get, if we don't keep our faith anchored in where it ought to be, that sin nature could get plugged up again. And it could start spouting out sin. And we've got to get hooked up to the right source. The right source of power. Power source, which is the Holy Spirit. Amen? Alright, so grace and sin cannot reign at the same time. Again, you can't serve two masters. The Bible's emphatic about this. You will either love one and hate the other. Don't tell me you love Jesus and you continue to live a life of sin, a life of hell that you lived in before you supposedly got converted. It's not going to happen. Now, there may be bondages the clinging binds of the fall, if you will, because when you got saved, when I got saved, a lot of things fell off of me just like that, fell off of you just like that as well. But then there were some things that didn't fall off so easy. Let's just be honest here. They still, we still struggled with some things, right? And there's some, and most Christians, there's still a struggle there with some bondages in their life, whether they like to admit it or not. We like to hide it from people, especially if it's not things that they can see. But there are sins of the spirit that are deep within that man cannot see, but they're just as wrong as sins of the flesh. And so there are still things within us that God wants to take away from us. And how we get victory over those things is predicated upon where we keep our faith. Because then we give the Holy Spirit the latitude who is the ultimate power to pull those things away from you. Those clinging vines of the fall that want to hang on to you that he wants to take from you. You don't get rid of them. You can't. He gets rid of them. He takes them from you. Amen. All right, so again, Paul lays out to us in chapter 6. I'm not going to get through this tonight. Paul lays out to us in chapter 6 the mechanics, the machinery of the Holy Spirit in our lives now that we are saved. And this is why chapter 6 is so important because it tells us now what has taken place in our hearts since getting saved. It, chapter 6 tells us that you got saved, 4 and 5, you got saved, justified by faith. Now chapter 6 tells us how this thing works. The operation now of the Holy Spirit, now that you've gotten saved. And if we don't understand chapter 6, that's why we're gonna, we're doomed for failure in chapter 7. That's why we will have bondages in our life because we don't understand what took place for us at Calvary's cross. We don't understand that that sin nature problem was handled at Calvary and that it lays dormant. The enemy don't want us knowing this. The enemy don't want us to know that when we were set free at the cross, not only were we saved, but we were set free from the powers of darkness. He don't want us to know that. He don't want us to know that the answer for which we're seeking is found in the cross. He don't want us to know that our victory was won for us at Calvary and that positionally we are already victorious. You don't have to fight for victory. You're fighting from a place of victory. We're trying to fight for something that's already been fought and won. You're victorious in Christ Jesus. Well, you may say, well, Pastor Wayne, I'm not seeing victory over this area of my life. In Christ, you are. The reason why we're not seeing victory is because we're not looking to the correct object. We're not looking to Jesus and what he there did. And we're looking to ourselves and our own performance, figuring out a way of how to get victory over this. And all of the while, the Holy Spirit said, I can do it. Let me have control. And I will bring to you the benefits of what Christ did for you at Calvary, which is having an abundant life and walking in perpetual victory. That's what he wants to do. But we got to let him. 
we got to let him. Amen. And when one again is born again, born of the Spirit, he's given a new heart. Again, that old diseased heart is tossed out. And you've received a new one. So there's no way if one is truly born of the Spirit that one can continue to maintain a lifestyle of habitual sinning. A lifestyle of where the sin nature is ruling and reigning. Impossible. So don't believe that lie of what saved always saved. No matter what I do. And a lot of people will live and live their life based off a decision that they made when they were a little child. Well, if you keep your faith in Christ and what he's done, truly, and there's a following after him, absolutely. But there are many that I know right now that are living a life of hell day in and day out. And look at me and tell me they're saved because they got saved when they was a little child. Listen, it doesn't matter. Listen, that's all good and all. But if you don't yield to him and let him have control, that don't matter. Listen, once saved, always say this, this terminology of unconditional security uh, is wrong. We believe in conditional eternal security, meaning you keep your faith properly anchored, and if it's truly anchored in Christ and what he's done, there's going to be fruit that comes forth. See, we judge a tree by the fruit that it bears. I'm not judging you. A lot of people say, well, you're just judging me. No, I'm not. I'm judging the fruit. You tell me you're saved, then I should see some fruit of the Spirit that you say is inside of you because the Holy Spirit comes in to live inside of you. And if that is true, then hey, there's going to be some fruit that's bearing off of your life that says, hey, this is a, a new creature. This is a one. This is my brother and sister. Say you're saved all day long. But if there's not no fruit that says, hey, I am a Christian, then you're just a Christian in name only by association. And it's not real and it's not authentic, okay? Let me say this and then we'll close for the night and pick up next week. There are many who think and believe because God's grace is powerful and greater than sin, that regardless of one's lifestyle and failure to be changed, that again, that if there is a confession, one will go to heaven. A proper and true confession of Jesus Christ, believing upon him for what he has done, again, will produce fruit. We'll say, I have been changed. It is absolutely impossible for one to say they've been saved and not be changed, okay? Salvation demands change, and it will tell on you. And grace does not give us the license of sin. Let me get on this point and we'll close. Give me two minutes. Grace, what Paul here is saying, does, has not been extended so that you can continue to sin. Grace has been extended unto you so that you don't have to yield to the sin nature. You don't have to obey those evil bends. He, grace has been extended so that you can now live a life of holiness and righteousness by course, keeping your faith in him because he's doing it. You don't have to continue to live that life of sin anymore because the Holy Spirit has come inside of us. And my grace, he's saying, has not been given unto you so that you can keep sinning. No, no. My grace has not been extended unto you so that you can continue to stay married to the sin nature. I destroyed that marriage, if you will. I destroyed that relationship. You're now linked to me. You're now married to me. You're now to yield to me. See, we as believers are in the mind of God. We are the wife, the bride of Christ. And as a wife is to submit themselves unto their husbands, and to we are to yield to the Lord, amen. We are to yield to his commands, and he is now in control of us, and he's not extending his grace so that I can get out here and do whatever I want to do. No, no. 
And if that thought and mindset is in the hearts of people, then that tells me they don't truly know the God that I know. They don't truly know Jesus Christ the way that I know him. Because if you know him the way I know him, you won't want to live a life of sin. You want to abstain from sin. You now want to be pleasing to your father. Because he has come in and saved you. He's redeemed you. He pulled you out. And now you want to live a life pleasing to him. And again, the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. So with my faith anchored in Christ, that pleases God. And then the fruit of the Holy Spirit, because he's pleased, is going to flow out of me. An apple tree that don't produce apples, how can it be deemed as an apple tree? If it's truly an apple tree, it's going to produce some apples. Amen. If we're truly Christians, we're going to produce, or the fruit of the Spirit will be produced in our hearts and in our lives. Amen. We didn't get through the lesson or whatever, but that's okay. The Lord knows what needed to be said and, and uh, who was going to be listened. So we'll pick back up again with probably verse 1 next week and, and continue on like that. But amen, aren't you so thankful tonight that what once ruled and reigned inside of you has now been destroyed? Now grace reigns inside of you, amen, to know that God the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, lives inside of me, and is now reigning, how? Through righteousness, by faith in Christ and what he's done, the divine nature can reign inside of me. I mean, it blows my mind to know because I know what I was, but now he's came in and he's living inside of me. You know why? Because I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things are new. Amen. Amen. We thank you guys tonight for watching online. I see a lot of comments. We pray that his word has been a blessing to you as I know it is always a blessing. I pray that um, you will continue to lift us up in prayer. Uh, we will be having service here this coming Sunday morning uh, at 1030. And we invite you to come out. We um, uh, have plenty of seats here. We can practice, if you will, social distancing. But come and be with us, if you will. Private messages. Um, if you want any, if you have any questions, uh, 10:30 Sunday morning, Sunday evening, we will not be having a service due to the fact of it being Mother's Day, so that people can enjoy time uh, with being uh, with their mothers. So and take that time and be with uh, with them. And if your mother is not here, be with your family, Amen. And and I know that this will be a uh, a hard holiday for a lot of people. It will be the first Mother's Day of some without their mother. Uh, but again, if they knew Jesus, we know where they are. Amen. And we'll know that we're going to see them again uh, one day soon, which brings uh, much comfort to us. Amen. So again, we thank you guys for watching tonight, being online with us. Uh, have any comments, prayer requests, leave them with us. And uh, if you have any needs at all, again, reach out to us. We are here for you. We're praying for you. Continue to lift one another up. Pray for this country. Pray for our officials that are in government and that God will take control of this. Amen. Amen. And we believe it. Let me tell you something. God is on the move. His spirit's on the move. Let me tell you, he's on the brink of doing something more marvelous than we've ever seen before. If you'll just hold on, I mean, we are on the verge of seeing the greatest move of the Holy Spirit I have ever seen, we have ever seen before. Read the book of Acts and get ready because I'm telling you, a harvest of souls is coming in. There's going to be people baptized in the Holy Spirit like we've never seen before. There's going to be divine healings to take place. There's going to be miracles to take place. You mark my words because he always saves the best for last. Amen. And he is saving it for us 
us and he's getting ready to pour it out upon us. So what an exciting time to be alive in this day and age to know you and I are getting ready to see the greatest move of God's Holy yes. Spirit because he said in the last days I will pour out. Amen. And I'm excited. So be excited. Be praying. Be looking to him. Amen. And just uh, 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 keep blessing his name. Amen. He's so good. We love each and every single one of you. We'll see you again on Sunday morning. Be blessed.